Hello and welcome to University. I'm Jo Fisher and I'll be talking to some of my amazing colleagues from the University of Southampton over a nice cup of virtual tea. We'll find out how they are adapting to this new way of working, what pearls of wisdom they can offer and asking important questions like, does tea really taste better from a teapot? This week, I'm joined by Karen Robson, Head of Archives at the University of Southampton. Hi, Karen. Do you have a cup of tea ready? I have a cup of coffee with me, I'm afraid. I'm not a tea drinker. That's acceptable. We'll take that. I I have about my third or fourth cup of tea of the day, so I'm going to have to drink it while it's still hot as we talk. I have a very large cup of coffee, as you can see. I shall keep me going. Excellent. Good news. It's lovely to have you with us today for our podcast. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and telling them what you do? My name's Karen, Karen Robson. I'm the Head of Archives here at the University of Southampton, which means that I'm responsible for managing the special collections. That's both the material we hold and the team who are responsible for it. It sounds like a really exciting job. Would you say it's really varied? Oh, it's very varied. There's no such thing as a, as a, a normal day, <laughs> I would think. And obviously... Things are not quite normal at the moment, but uh, we have many, many things going on. We have about 7 million manuscript items and about 50,000 books to look after. So that's quite a lot in in itself. But obviously we run a service that's open to anyone to come in as well. We also do exhibitions, outreach, all sorts of other activities, supervising students with projects, etc, etc. There's lots and lots of things to keep us busy. I was going to say, I, I won't ask what an average day for you is because it sounds like never you never have the same day in a row and no, um, no. you certainly get up to a lot. So we'll have plenty to talk about. I'm really looking forward to hearing a bit more about, about your work and about the archives at the university. We're not at your usual space in the library at the moment and we're all experiencing very different workplaces. So how are you finding working from home? Well, it's been an interesting transition. As you indicated, obviously, we're very much uh, based in the library with our material. So for archives, and that's not just ourselves, it's archives all across the UK, well, across the world, really. Um, It's been something of a wrench, but we have adapted. And um, we were very fortunate at the university that I did have time to plan quite extensively for work for the team to be doing while we're not at work. So we have lots and lots of things to keep us busy. We're just working in a slightly different way, obviously. Obviously. What sort of things can you do from home for the archives? We're still maintaining an inquiry service and doing still doing research inquiries for people. We have lots of cataloguing. I mean, one of the more essential tasks is creating catalogues and finding aids to make the collections available. And, um, you know, archives are unique items, so they're not, they don't come with descriptions and lots of the special collections printed mm. material requires specialist cataloguing. There's a lovely quote, which is history is described as a bridge between the past and the present. And we're, we're creating the building blocks that construct this bridge, mm. ensuring the material is available. So there's lots and lots of things that I have the staff doing at the moment, creating all sorts of finding aids, upgrading our catalogues. Uh, extending our catalogues so this is lots of crucial work which is probably very much sort of below the surface but Mm. we're doing a lot of that at the moment so there'll be lots of things coming online as a result of the things we're doing Um, I mentioned we have an exhibition gallery in fact we have two exhibition galleries we would have been at this moment planning for our autumn exhibition Mm. in reality it's unlikely that we'll have an exhibition in the exhibition gallery there so we're we're planning for how we can uh, move that on to an online exhibition so we're doing lots of things there we just launched our um, YouTube channel we have some films on the YouTube channel all about our collections and work that we do 
Um, lots of social media. We've been doing lots and lots of blogs and tweets and all sorts of things. So we've been doing lots and lots of things to keep us yes. busy, but also very important things that will, you know, people will benefit from in the long term in making our collections more accessible as well. Indeed. And a lot of that sort of thing, I should imagine people forget that is involved with sort of working in archives as well. It's not just sort of pouring over books and, and, and maintaining sort of shelving and, and uh, correct storage. It's, it, there's so much more to it. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've just mentioned some of the things we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we also have a conservation unit, so there's all sorts of material relate- relating to the preservation, conservation mm. of the collections. My colleagues in conservation would be working on uh, exhibitions as well. They're at the moment doing lots of online things as well. They're doing other sort of um, other things about the care of collections. We'd obviously be now planning about how we will ultimately do the transition of back to the working on campus mm. as well. There's lots of things there about the care of collections as well. So there's masses and masses of things that we do. But yes, as I say, probably some of it is under the, you know, under the radar. Yeah. But as I say, it's creating those building blocks, if you like to think of it that way. Yeah, that's a lovely way of putting it, sort of bridging the gap between the past and the present and, and enabling people to access the past more easily as well. Because the, the two affect, you know, the present is so affected by the past. So um, it makes sense to, to open that communication. You've mentioned all the different types of things your work involves. If you weren't working from home right now, is the exhibition what you would be focusing on or what would you be doing perhaps? The exhibition would be one of the things. We obviously always have ongoing cataloguing. You know, as I say, there's lots of ongoing things. Our social media, our inquiry service, um, exhibition planning, outreach. Um, and we're currently supervising three undergraduate history projects. Okay. So they're still going ongoing at the moment. So all these of things course. just running in parallel, shall we say. Mm. So lots of it mm. we are continuing to do. We're just doing it, as I say, slightly differently. That's really good news. And, and you know, certainly keeping you busy as well. So you've mentioned briefly a few of the things that your archives contain at the university. Um, but some of our listeners may not have actually ventured into the archives not yet at least, maybe after this they will be inclined to. But what sort of things can you find in the archives at the University of Southampton? Well, Southampton is one of those institutions that collects things focused on certain thematic areas. So we're very, very strong in uh, 19th and 20th century military, political, social material. So we have papers of the first Duke of Wellington, who was the premier general Mm. of his time, also a long-serving politician for the early part of the 19th century. We have in the Broadlands archives papers of two 19th century prime ministers, so Lord Palmerston and also Lord Melbourne. For the 20th century, as part of that Broadlands collection, we have the um, papers of Lord Mountbatten of Burma, so very, very significant papers for the transfer of power from India and Pakistan in 1947. And also, he was a long-serving naval figure. Uh, you know, he was in mm. served in the navy for a long time. So there's lots about mm. um, military matters in the 20th century as well. We also have one of the largest collections of uh, Jewish archives, not just in the UK but Western Europe. So anyone interested mm. in Jewish history, Southampton is very much a place to come. We obviously have very close links with the Parks Institute here at Southampton, yeah. but we also contribute to many. Uh, collaborative projects relating to Jewish archives 
for instance, we last year contributed to a new uh, international project called the Yerusha Project, which is bringing together information about Jewish archives across mm. the, the world. So that will be launched later in the year, which is another great initiative. We do have material on the history of the university. So anyone who was following the Highfield 100 last year will have seen various contributions we made. We, we ran a whole series of blogs throughout the year, mapping the history at the Highfield campus from 1919 onwards. We did Highfield in 100 objects, which we thought we might bring together in, onto a Flickr exhibition as well. And mm. I think a, a, another notable um, development more recently has been, in conjunction with the Anna Frost Foundation, mm-hmm. development um, of collections relating to maritime archaeology as well, which is growing quite quite notably mm. so um those are three or four sort of notable areas we do have other material <laughs> uh but that's probably quite a good starting point so wonder you don't sort of get lost in all that sort of content and sort of material it sounds like there is so much to get through and so much to explore do you have a favorite item or do you have a favorite collection at all um, I probably have a certain fondness for the Wellington archives, maybe because that was the first collection I came to work on an externally funded okay. project working with that collection. So that was my introduction to Southampton. But uh, I have a fondness for quite a lot of different collections. There's always something else that you can find about the collections. Mm. It's a marvellous array of, of types of material and mm. um it you know presents such a variety of viewpoints on things so um, it's endlessly fascinating I find. Do you get quite personally attached to the items that you're looking after or even sort of the things that you discover do you find that you have a sort of a a connection with them on a personal level? Oh you certainly can I mean there have been collections where for instance you know you're the first person that's opened them up and read them since they were packed up 70 years ago or even in one case 200 years ago it's quite strange sort of Mm. um in a sense it's it's an odd profession where you're you're you know poking into what could be people's personal um correspondence or whatever but you know if you have an interest in people and the stories that you want to tell and obviously on a professional basis we are here as the custodians Mm. of our written history mm-hmm. um, of our, our heritage um, you know we have a obviously a professional responsibility to look after them but but also you do certainly make connections with the people who've created these there's some fascinating mm. individuals for whom we have material but just also you know can be very sad or tragic stories as mm. well um, so you mm. do get quite you do find yourself occasionally getting personally involved with these things yes mm. I think it's very easy to forget the sort of the personal items that you must have in there and you think it must be all academic or very sort of formal and historical but there are letters and I know that we've met in the past and you've shown me letters from Queen Victoria I think it was and that was really exciting to be holding that in my hands myself. Yes I think we have about I think it's about 1200 letters between Queen Victoria and Lord Palmerston yes they had a quite um, dusty relationship should we say it could be (laughs) could be a little sharp at times they are probably on matters of business um, of sort of state business should Mm. I say so some of those might be more formal but you know we do Mm. have Uh, letters of um, you know individuals writing from the front in the first world war we have papers relating to sad cases of refugees or people who've come in uh, as immigrants and you know very very poor Mm. and sad you know conditions in which they find themselves so Mm. there could be very sort of 
contrasting stories that we'll find in the collections that we hold. Mm. You will have very formal administrative papers, you can have things about matters of state, but you can also have something about, you know, children being abandoned because their parents mm. have died or have, have gone trying to find work somewhere else or something like that. So, you know, th- mm. th- there's quite a, a range of material and quite a contrasting sort of narrative that's being mm. presented as well. Must be a, a quite emotional sort of pockets of information mm. throughout. So um, I should think that's quite something to be involved with. Um, yes, when, indeed. When you do get to, to, get to work with um, those items. We are creating history as we speak. History is yesterday. These are the records of what happened in the past. The past isn't just something you put away and close a box and it Mm. doesn't have relevance. There's always relevance of things that happened in the past to what's happening in the present. Mm. As I say, they're not just personal things. These are official records that provide the narrative, the story. They are the record of what has happened. Mm. A lot of the issues that are probably raised are quite timeless. So Exactly, um, yes. Exactly, it continues. Uh, I've heard a lot of people sort of talking about how we are currently living in history. This is a very historic moment for not just the um, UK, but the entire world. So perhaps there will be sort of elements that we're able to keep from from now and from sort of lockdown and and the pandemic and future generations can look back on do you think that's a possibility that's something oh yeah very important it's already it's already a discussion within archives of what they're archiving about the covid19 pandemic so yes as i say yesterday is history (laughs) the records for yesterday are somebody is probably archiving as we speak so as i say Mm. the resonance the relevance the fact that you know we always want to retain records of what's been happening mm. so that you know we possibly can learn something for the future mm. is is always going to be of relevance yes mm. mm. it will be interesting to see what makes it into the archives for this this period of time and we'll we'll even we'll look back and sort of think about what a strange and and scary time it has been and and possibly will continue to be for quite a while so um very interesting. I think the thing that's always important as well, we talk about records and archives being the official record, but I mean, you always want to have the personal mm. records, the, the things that counterbalance the official mm. picture, the, what's been presented as, you know, from official organisations, governments, etc. Definitely. Do you think listeners to this podcast right now should be thinking about keeping items for posterity or maybe even writing records of their sort of daily life during this period? Do you think that would be a good idea? I think so. I mean, I think Southampton City is actually undertaking some sort of diary type exercise. But if you think the mass observation archives was just that sort of idea where people kept records of what was going on Mm. to give a a sort of snapshot of of, of life Mm. over a particular period. Absolutely, yes. Mm. It could be quite a nice little project. I've been trying to keep diaries of my own since a very young age and it's sort of fallen by the wayside because you get busy. But this year I was thinking, I must start again. And and I I actually started rewriting, uh, well, restarted writing, as should I say, in a diary of my own, just as this started to get very sort of scary and very real, because I thought it would be a period of time that would be good to look back on and pass down to my my niece, because it, it will be it will be very important, I think. So are there any um, misconceptions about archives, would you say? So uh, a lot of people might think, for example, um, watching TV or films, you have to wear 
white gloves and protective items while you're you're um, browsing through items in the archives. Is that true? I think the use of white gloves is slightly overused on television, probably because it looks quite effective. <laughs> However, there are instances where people would wear gloves so that they can protect the material. It's probably overused on television. There are instances where perhaps material is quite fragile. By actually wearing white mm-hmm. cotton gloves, you, you might actually damage it more because you oh, have okay. less sense of touch than, than if you just mm-hmm. handle it very carefully otherwise. The other thing that actually archivists always hate is when there's always the line about the dusty archives. Archives should not be dusty. <laughs> but yes, we do have large storage areas where materials locked away in, in sort of vault-like strong rooms. Mm. So, so some of the pictures that you will see are probably quite, quite true. Mm. Do you have to keep it very clean and at a certain temperature or is that, is that quite a misconception as well? No, no, they, there are British standards. Mm-hmm. Things are kept in strong rooms. Well, they are called strong rooms. They're kept at constant temperature and humidity. Um, there's all sorts of other elements about the environment mm. to protect this material. I mean, one of the things I was talking about, conservation, preservation, one of our responsibilities to ensure we keep this material for the long term. I mean, a lot of it's organic material. I mean, paper up to a certain point in the 19th century was made of cloth or rags, so okay. it's not as it is today. But if you keep it in the right sort of conditions, you can slow down the, the sort of degeneration of material mm. to, to such an extent that it is going to last for a long time. I mean... A lot of our material is 18th, 19th and 20th century in date, but we do have material that goes back to the 1200s. We want to make sure it lasts for the next 800 years as well, so obviously we want to keep it in the right sort of conditions. So you mentioned about the Wellington Archives and its role in sort of bringing you to Southampton or um, at the start of your career at Southampton. I'm interested to find out what drew you to working with archives? What is it about that job that drew you to the role? Well, I'm a history graduate and I'm very interested in, I suppose I used archives as part of my research, Mm. our written heritage. In fact, I'm just passionately quite keen on history, I suppose. It was one of those activities that attracted me as something that uh, suited many elements and sort of skills that I I possibly hold. So Mm. um, archivists have many sort of practical skills as well as sort of creative skills. There is a certain order in the way that we do things, which is is quite Mm. interesting. It's a profession that provides the scope for endless sort of curiosity, and having tried out sort of doing some voluntary work in various things decided that this was something that did actually appeal to me as a profession yes it sounds um like it combines your sort of personal interests with a somewhat professional interest as well so you must feel like sometimes you're not working if you're that fascinated with what you are working with they say that you don't work a day in your life if you if you enjoy your job so it sounds like that might be the case with you. I think it does actually tick a lot of boxes for me. And yes, one of the reasons I have remained at Southampton and uh, still enjoy working with the collections is I still find them endlessly interesting. And there are all sorts of things I still think I have to do, which mm. is always good. <laughs> if you've still got more things you feel you could do with with the material that you have and lots mm. of things you could develop, I think that's always mm. always positive thing really. Absolutely and what did you say the Wellington archives were the things that drew you to Southampton or, or what about working at Southampton do you enjoy the most? I very much appreciate my colleagues I mean that always is a good reason to uh, to continue working somewhere we have a very good team and I, mm. I should take this opportunity to thank them for all the sterling work they've been doing during the lockdown as well but yes I do actually 
really, really engage and enjoy the collections that we have here at Southampton. I think we have put together a, a fabulous collection of uh, material and I think there's still lots of things I would really like to achieve mm. with the material that we have here. So sounds good. It sounds good. And I've seen it for myself and it's it's a very impressive collection. It you know, although it is in boxes and it's all in rows, it is still very impressive the sheer quantity of it and I know that you wouldn't have seen it because it's hidden away and, and stored safely so there is so much to see and more than what you see if that makes sense when you go into the archives which is really exciting. How does the university acquire these things that you're keeping in the archives then are they donated or do you have to go and hunt them down yourself? Archives tend to receive things either people either gift them to us, donate them to us, or sometimes they deposit them with us for long periods of time. Because we're known to collect material in particular subject areas, I'm saying we collect mm. things on a certain in certain themes. It is often a case that you know people offer us material. In fact, I've just I'm just dealing with two particular collections being offered to us at the moment, okay. which is going to be quite challenging in the current <laughs> environment. We have been very successful in actually acquiring material by just being known as particular mm. centres who collect material in particular subject areas. The Hartley Institution, which is the foundation institution of the university, did actually start collecting material when it came into being in the 1860s. The, the archive department only actually came into being in 1983. Mm. So about 95% or possibly slightly more than that, of our material has only been acquired since 1983. Okay, so it's not as old as you might initially think then? Not as old as you might think. So that says that we've actually managed to acquire an awful lot of material in the last (laughs) few decades. Definitely, definitely. Something we're asking all of our podcast guests is if they've got an object in a sort of a time capsule concept, if they've got an object that either reminds them of their job or um, reminds them of the sort of career that they've had so far in their lives. And I don't know if you maybe have something that you can share with us today at all. Well, yes, I did give this a bit of thought. Back to the Wellington Archive. (laughs) Um, We have a lovely illustration by Mark Isambard Brunel, who's the father of the probably more famous Isambard Kingdom Brunel. (laughs) It's an illustration of a couple of bridges that he designed, And the reason I chose it, it was the document that I was given to describe when I came for my interview here at Southampton. So that was my first taste of the archives here at Southampton. And it's actually rather a nice object in itself. That's a really lovely... it sandwiches together sort of the sort of again the personal and sentimental importance that the archives have and also it sounds like a really sort of impressive item to keep and to keep safe. So we've briefly talked about um, how you're working from home and how your work translates and, and how it's definitely not slowing you down in terms of what you're able to do for the archives while we're all um, in lockdown. I'm interested to know, in the time that you're not working um, for the archives, have you developed any ways of keeping yourself occupied while we're going through these massive changes and, and we're not able to maybe go about life as we usually were? Do you have any hobbies at all? I do have a number of hobbies. Some of them obviously have been somewhat affected by the lockdown because I'm mm. quite quite a keen theatre goer. I go to the cinema oh, yes. and, and, and I do actually like going for long walks as well, which is obviously a little bit of a problem at the moment <laughs> I've developed quite a fondness for radio drama and obviously things okay. like the National Theatre Online it was quite mm. nice to catch up with some of the productions which I may yes. have seen before probably like lots of people my garden is probably looking even more pristine than normal mm. 
-hmm. we do have lots of um, fruit bushes and other things growing in the garden so um, one of the things I should be planning to do fairly shortly is uh, a spot of jam making and bottling of fruit which is actually much more fun than just freezing it so um, (laughs) things like that so developing that a little bit yeah I'm quite keen on crafting as well so Mm. I have been extending that a little bit but um, you know, you have lots of plans that you're all. We're all going to be fluent in six languages and various other mm-hmm. things by the end of this. But uh, haven't quite managed all of those yet. I've um, I've also been watching the National Theatre at home as well. Um, have you caught any particular ones that you've enjoyed the most? I did like the Twelfth Night one, mm, which yes, was very good. Me too. But uh, I did see the Frankenstein when it was actually on at the theatre. Oh, so wow. it was it was really interesting to see it again. So that that was mm. good. So uh, I'm not at all jealous. <laughs> <laughs> mentioned various channels and things so if our listeners are interested in finding out more about um, your work and and what your team do at the university or maybe even they're interested in seeing the archives themselves once lockdown is is lifted and we're able to go back on campus safely again where can they find you and, and where can they find out more well we have a special collections website which tells you all about the service it's it's also the the portal you can use to uh, access our catalogues, online guides, etc. We're accessible via our archives email, which is just archives at sutton.ac.uk. But yes, actually, we were always very keen to offer the opportunity for uh, colleagues across the university to come and visit us. Um, mm. So if people want to to contact us at various points to arrange visits, we'll be delighted to do that when we're back at a, in a situation where that's that's feasible but uh, certainly if you want to have a look at our youtube channel which you can see something about the archives that way um as i say look at the the website our blogs as well and our twitter there's many ways of giving you Mm. a sort of feel for the work that we do and what types of material that we hold as well Mm. being on all the social media sites and your blog as well it sounds far from the dusty uh, archives the phrase that you detest so much um <laughs> it sounds like a thoroughly modern way of storing information and 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 sharing it with the world as well um and i'll certainly be having a look at that and and if you have any future exhibitions online once you work out how best to do that i think that'll be really exciting to see absolutely well we will be promoting that as to everyone as well obviously so we'll keep an eye out for that I have one final question for you Karen you mentioned that you don't drink tea you drink coffee so um, my planned question was scuppered somewhat but oh I'm so um, sorry I've, no no not at all but I've had a bit of a think and and, and the, the most important question I'm sure you agree of this whole entire session um, is um, if you were in a in a cafe uh, what would your ideal coffee order be Oh, I'd probably just go for something quite plain. Um, As long as it's got plenty of milk, I'm quite happy. That sounds good. Hopefully, as soon as we're able to go back into cafes, that can be your your planned order. But um, at the moment, I'm still waiting for my shop-bought latte, which I miss greatly. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) It's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank Thank you you very much. much. Thank you. um, And stay well and safe. Thank you. You too. Thanks to Karen for chatting with me today about all things archives. Make sure to subscribe to University for future episodes. I'm Jo Fisher. Thank you for listening. This has been a podcast from the University of Southampton.